What 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 My next guest rose to fame when he was asked to sing the hook for Macklemore's song Thrift Shop. He went on to tour with Macklemore and even has his own TED Talk. It's my pleasure to introduce Wands. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Today, I'm with a very special guest, the one and only Wands. So one thing that I still can't really wrap my head around is that you made the song with Macklemore, you went on tour with Macklemore, but at the end of it, Macklemore's record label or no record label reached out to you afterwards? Not very many people know this, but I, it, it's like I grew up listening to the radio. And when I was when when I was living in Seattle in the in the late '80s, early '90s, and you know, cats like Alice in Chains and Soundgarden got signed. Those were guys that I used to hang out with all the time, studying the music business and stuff. You know, I prayed that there would be somebody who could do it without a label. Mm. For the longest time, little did I know that you know I'd get a phone call, go sing for a guy, and it just happened to be Macklemore who was self-contained, right? The label basically used to be, I mean, my first job was working at Tower Records. So it's like, I've got it in my blood. It used to be you needed a label so that, you know, there'd be somebody to distribute your product, if not make your product and put it on different formats, vinyl, cassette, whatever, pitch it to radio, uh, find management for you, and then work on your tour stuff. All that stuff handled was handled through the label. Now, these days, you know, like you're at home, I'm at home, the internet is everywhere. So you mm. don't, you don't really, if you, if you know enough, right. And you get your ducks in a row, you can do every You're It's like now I'm totally self-contained. I record in, I can record in my lab. Um, I'm spending the week between Christmas and new year's redoing my website so that I can do a rebrand and relaunch next year. I've been working on music, working on my production skills, working with, uh, or getting tips from cats at London Bridge Studios and Undercast Studios that are friends of mine. Mm. You know, and never, never, never give up. So, you know, the thing with the thing with Macklemore is that, you know, I never really asked for anything right. because I watched to see how much work it was just for him. So when people say, well, he never did this for this person or never did that for that person. I'm like laughing my head off because it's like, yo, I seem to not remember you doing anything for him when he was coming up. Right. I mean, he and and, and being the Macklemore was hard, 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 <laughs> hard, hard, 
always having to be someplace, talking, you know, doing things like this, but like four or five of them a day and then doing a show and then mm -hmm. doing an after thing with radio and TV people. And then, you know, two and a half, maybe three hours after the show ends, then maybe you get to sit down and take a breath and have time for yourself only to, you know, try to crash, try to, you know, try to crash, try to rest, compose yourself, reconstitute all your energy because the next day, you know, you're going to, if you're on a, on a bus tour, you wake up in a different place, you got to find everything. And then before you know it, you've got interviews to do and people to meet and all this other stuff up until sound check. And then you got sound check and then maybe you try to crash for an hour, but that doesn't work. Why? Because you got more people to meet <laughs> friends in town. And then all of a sudden it's showtime and the whole thing starts all over again. It's a grind, yo. Right. And I mean, I, I, there are, there are times that I just, you know, I really admired him because you had to keep so many things together and his management was amazing. But I mean, there's a, there's a reason that all these cats, hand, they, they're on a bus by themselves because most of being an artist is pitching your wares. It's promotion, right? You can't, you can't sell a thing if you have no customers. <laughs> right. And that's what people seem to forget about the biz. I mean, you can, you can knock 50 cent all you want. You can knock Kanye all you want, but yo, they got customers. Every rapper that you see on MTV, they're on a label and that label has gotten them customers or they would not be there. How, what was the age difference between like you and Macklemore when like he <laughs> met you? Like, huge. So yeah, he was uh, 29, 28. And I was 51. Yeah, that must. It was awkward. Not even the awkward part. Like, it, like there's just like a different level of energy when you're in your 20s versus your 50s. Like it was awkward. It was, it awkward. Was awkward. <laughs> so here's the thing, right? You know, I didn't know who he was when I went and did the session for Thrift Shop. I'd never heard of him before. Mm -hmm. And he had never heard of me, even though I'd, I'd been entrenched in the local music scene since 86, 87 uh it was weird right and i mean it wasn't until the day that thrift shop dropped that i actually got a real feel for who because i just was i mean i'd been doing hooks for other rappers he was the first rapper to pay me in a check because <laughs> usually i got paid cash and it was like i was out the door and you know i i didn't run with any of these cats because you know back in the day in the early 2000s 99 2000s Rappers were either running dope, running guns, running girls, or had just gotten out of the joint and was looking to do one of those other three things. <laughs> Damn. All of them. All of them. It was about the street life. And it's like, yo, I was like older than everybody else. So it was like, you know, I had a day job. So they, you know, they want to stay out and do all this, you know, smoke all this weed and drink all this Cavassier and Cristal and, and, and tequila. And it's like, yo, I'm going home. I got to read a story to my kid. <laughs> but it was worse when I was on tour because mm. everybody was younger. 
I was more, I was closer to all the production guys, the guys that were who hung the lights and put up the, the PA and, and all that stuff. Oh no. They were more, they were closer to my age. I used to, I always traveled on the production bus. And the first guys into every concert, first guys in the building are the riggers. And the riggers are the guys that figure out where everything is going to go that hangs up above the stage. So the riggers and the stage guys, because they figure out all these laser measurements and all this other stuff, it's intense. Mm. But it's like the day of a show, the building usually opens at 7, 7.30. And by 9, there's guys hanging from the roof, hanging things. Light people are putting stuff together because it's all got to be put together and it all has to work by, by like 3 o'clock. That's why, you know, people say concerts cost a lot of money. Well, that's because there's professionals who put everything in there. You think it just, you think they just add water and all that, all the lights and everything just pops up there. So you walk in and go, ooh, ah, the stage looks great. <laughs> all the instruments are tuned and whatnot. Come oh, on. So when you, when you, those guys, those are professionals, man. When you first met him, were you kind of biased though? Because like, there's not really a lot of white rappers. Like when you think of a white rapper, you usually think of like Eminem. Well, like I said, I didn't know who he was. Right. I didn't know enough about, I knew more about Eminem and I've never met Eminem. <laughs> but I knew more about Eminem than I knew about Macklemore. I didn't know about language of my world. I didn't know about Versus or Versus the Redo. I didn't know about My Oh My. I didn't know about And We Dance. I didn't know about uh, Wings. I found all that stuff out the day Thrift Shop dropped. Hmm. And, you know, I was sitting in, I was, my desk, I had a window that looked out over the stadiums. I was like on the 20th floor of this building that's on, on Madison. And I was looking out over the stadiums. It finally drops and I watched it a couple of times, show it to some of the homies at work. And then I'm hitting refresh and I'm watching the numbers. Just, and I'm like, oh, this is weird. I better figure out what this is about. So I go to another screen, open up another browser and I go to YouTube and it's Macklemore. And it's like, okay. So I'm checking it out. And this is the other side. And I was like, whoa, that's heavy wings. Oh, wow. That's really cool. My, oh, my, I'm a big baseball fan. So I was like all over that business. Mm -hmm. I still get goosebumps every time I hear the call from the double. <laughs> and if you don't know what the double is, Google Seattle Mariners, the double. Okay, well, I'll and do just, that. And, 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 and yeah, and, and watch the whole thing. Because from the time that, from the time that Griffey gets up to, or not Griffey, um, Edgar Martinez is up at, up to bat. I had to hear that every night for a year and a half, two years. I heard that call every, and every night I got goosebumps, but no, I didn't know who he was. And so, you know, it was like, that's why I think it was like, so epic right? because, you know, after we did the small talk stuff, we're just chopping it up. All of a sudden, music starts playing. Ryan's playing the beat, and it's just looped on. And Ben's telling me what the song is about. And it's like, you know, we're kind of doing this goofy song about thrift shopping. And here, you know, I, I was looking for a, a singer who sounded like Nate Dog because I could just hear Nate singing, you know, and he's like saying the words, I'm going to pop some tags. Only got $20 in my pocket. And he's kind of saying it in rhythm to the music. The first thing that popped out of my mouth was, I'm going to pop some tags. Only got $20 in my pocket. And he's like, yeah, like that, like that. And we worked on the second two lines. And 
this is fucking awesome. Run it back, run it back, practice it. Boom. They put me in the booth. Yeah. See, like when you're like an artist for like a long time, like you can just like freestyle and make something so beautiful. Like, dude, it was like, you know, they put me in the booth. We stacked it up, came out. Okay. Now we got a bridge and they played it. And it's like, and it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm out. Go in there. Boom. Stacked it. It was done. Kid you not. From the time that I, I, you know, we got done with the small talk from the time they put me in the booth to the time that they cut me a check and we were all saying goodbye. It was 45 minutes. Yeah, you probably didn't know that was going to be like a fucking long ass tour then or anything like that. <laughs> I didn't know anything. That's not crazy. until that day, not until the day that it dropped. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget it. Watching all those numbers spin and I started looking at those videos and, and we danced. That was kind of goofy. And it's like, okay, this is kind of dope because I'm, you know, I'd never seen this high a quality video from a local artist. So the thing that really kind of tripped me out was watching um, Victory Lap. Victory Lap uh, was a video of all this tour footage from them driving around in a van in 2011, hmm. 2010, playing Bumbershoot 2011. And there he is standing at the front of the stage in front of a pack, sold out what used to be Key Arena. Oh, yeah, Key I haven't Arena. gotten that new name yet. So I'm just going to say, you know, where the storm play they're the championship <laughs> team so we'll just be repping the storm today thank you very much <laughs> but yeah it's like i can see all the lights from the phones and i just lean back in my chair like i am right now and i just went oh man that's not good that's not good at all and then i started doing a little more homework about you know what records had been out and what he had done and i got language of my world and listened to it and you know from first listen language of my world you know it was dope. It's the first time I had ever heard a white rapper say, first we took their 40 acres, now I'm taking their 16 bars. <laughs> I had never heard a white rapper give it up. Mm. And, you know, in a way, that's what you do. You pay your, he was paying respect that, you know, basically I, I just followed what I saw and made it my own. Yeah. Cracking. I just, I never realized how big Macklemore is though, until like, I know he's like a, I keep saying this, but like, I know he's like a huge artist, but like, I didn't, I've been just starting to do a little bit more research on him because of course he's like one of the main guys from Seattle. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize he has like billions and billions of views. And like, he's like, he's like top tier artist, even whether you actually listen to him or not. Like I, whether you listen to him or like him or not, you cannot deny, <laughs> you, you can't deny the proof, you know? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So there are not, there, there are not very many artists, Macklemore excluded, but you know, there are not very many artists, period, who can tour on one song. That's nuts, yeah. You gotta remember, it's like one song. I've been around the world, I've toured for two and a half years, been around the world twice. I have a Grammy, I have a Diamond Award, two awards that 98% of all the all the musicians and artists on the planet don't have off of one song. It's <laughs> crazy. It, it blo some days, you know, I walk out my front room and I look at it and I go, wow, that was really cool. Other days I walk out there and I go, how the hell did that happen? Mm. What, what, how did that work? How did that go? I don't, cause I don't know. So all I do know is that, you know, that first six months between, well, let's put it this way between 
November of 2012 and March of 2013, the world changed. Everything changed for all of us on that record. Everybody. It was over. I mean, it was over. Did you get artists? I mean, like, did you get record labels that reached out to you afterwards or like people looking for like more of like a full body of work before they reached back out? Because like, I'm just looking at like my last interview I just did this. Do you know what TikTok is? Oh, yeah. This guy, um, he had a cool background story, but like, so it's, I can't really use him as a full example. But basically, there's artists on TikTok who like blow up after like one song or one dance and they're getting like record deals. Like, so the guy I just interviewed, he, um, he's been making music for like 10 years. He's like 24. So he started when he was like 12, 14. Yeah. And, um, but basically he blew up off of remixing someone else's, like he just added a hook to someone's like produced track. And then, but then he like is signed to a record deal now like, yep. and moved to LA. I'm like, okay, but then, but you just toured and have a song that has been viewed billions and billions of times, like anthems for football teams, sports teams, whatever. Yep. So, yep. but what was the next step after that? Like people, did you get any calls or how did that work out? This is like the, some of the most, now we get into the depressing part. It's important though. Uh, I'm looking over, I'm looking over to my right and I'm looking at uh, the gold record. Um, I'm looking at the seven times platinum in Australia record. When I look over here, I look at the double platinum thing hanging on my wall for thr for for thrift shop and, and the heist, right? And I got absolutely zero calls from mm. anyone, no inquiries. And I mean, I brought it up with his management because they're going to contact him first, probably. Nobody really, you know, I, I was out there. It was really hard to like not, I am not a, a hard person to find. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, you should have seen me freak out when I found out I had a Wikipedia page. That totally blew my mind. Yeah. And it's still there. And I'm like going, well, that still creeps me out. <laughs> you know, it's been a hell of a long time since I mean, it's been, I left, I left touring in 2015. Damn. Here it is 2020 and I still got a Wikipedia page. Wow. <laughs> Creepy. But uh, to answer your question, not one person. I got not one call. Not not from a label, not from a artist management, not from a PR firm, not from uh not from anyone who wasn't a kid making music in his basement. Fuck. I know. <laughs> and you know, I was like, okay, okay. And I mean, in the back of my head, you know what was always in the back of my head? One song. I like the way you move. I like the way you move. The guy who sings that song, his name is Sleepy Brown. Hell yeah, I love Sleepy Brown. Right? Well, see, I didn't know a thing about Sleepy Brown. He was somebody that I always wanted to meet because he was on one song. What the hell happened to Sleepy Brown? He released one record. What happened to that record? Nobody knows. Mm. But anytime Outcast tours, he's with Sleepy them. Brown is out there. Yeah. And you know, I had to go see them when they came to Seattle. I had to see, I had to see, you know, Big Boy when he came to Seattle. And then I got it. 
you know, what's the difference between Sleepy Brown and me? Sleepy was part of a group, right. you know? Why haven't I gone on to do like bigger and better things? It was great having that opportunity with Mac and, and with Ben and Ryan and everybody associated with it. But because of the age difference, that was only part of it, you know? It's a dynamic. I mean, I didn't grow up, I didn't grow up living, breathing, crapping, pissing hip hop. That was Macklemore. Mm -hmm. A lot of rappers, you know, a lot of rappers. But see, I remember when rap was new, I could still only, I could, you know, where there are guys who can tell you, they can do every, every, every lyric that Tupac ever did, drop of a hat. They could say, you know, if it came out last week, they could recite almost every line. Me? It's like the only thing I can do that to is the last verse of the message. What about Curtis Blow or like Sugar Hill Gang? <laughs> I remember all. Of, I remember all of them. When they were here. All of them. That's that's high school, college for Hell me. Yeah. Curtis Blow. These are. And I want you to know that these are the breaks. <laughs> that's the twelve inch over there, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, all that stuff. Rapper's Delight. Rapper's Delight. I mean, you know, I can't tell you how many girls I met because I could say all the words to Rapper's Delight. <laughs> but, you know, a child is born with no state of mind, blind to the ways of mankind. God is smiling on you, but he's frowning too, because only God knows what you'll go through. That last verse of the message, man, is cold. And it that, that verse is what I compare all other hip hop to. Still. Because it, it's just so legendary. Mm. That one song is the epitome of what hip hop wanted to be, should be, and to me really is. It's social commentary. That's And that's what hip hop is. Is there any, if you look back on when you like toured with Macklemore and everything though, is there like anything different you would have done? Like, did you have like a, your own press team or your own manager or? Well, uh, I met, <laughs> When we played Cleveland, <laughs> I'll never forget this either. We played Cleveland and I was notorious because I was notorious for taking pictures of shows. I've got a zillion pictures wow. because I only sang on one song. And it was usually one of the first three or four songs that we did. So I got another 45 minutes plus encore to what am I going to do, <laughs> right? So I was taking pictures at the Cleveland show and just oh, just adjacent to the soundboard there's like a a pen it's like you know there's an area pretty wide area there's only like six people in it six adults so i'm like what are you guys doing we're over 21 <laughs> well one of the ladies in there had done promotions before and we hit it off and i'm like you know we left there and we're off doing our thing and i talked to her for a couple of days and she became my publicist and then became my manager which, you know, if I would have known more, if I would have thought about it better, if I would have had, you know, if I would have had a crew behind me, if I would have gotten better advice, if I would have had a better vision as to what to do with this wonderful gift that I was living, things would be different. Mm -hmm. But I went with what I did and, you know, it, it didn't pan out to be, I met a lot of people, but uh, not a lot of opportunities came out of them. And the thing about being an artist that most people don't see is 
everything that happens when you're not on tour and you're not in the studio and you're not doing podcasts. Because every single day, Katy Perry, Taylor Swift, Ed Sheeran, uh, Lil Baby, it doesn't matter who it is. They're getting up, probably going to take a piss, going to get a cup of coffee, maybe playing with their kid. I don't know what they're doing, but everybody kind of does the same thing. Yeah. Everybody. And it, it blows my mind sometimes when I think about it because everybody's living life at about at, at all at the same time, but everybody's doing it just a little different. All over the world, billions of people every single day. So yeah, there are a lot of things. There are more than a few decisions that could have changed the arc of my trajectory, but most of it had to do with, I didn't know what to sound like, hmm. who to sound like. I didn't know what my sound was. Everybody knows me for, I'm going to pop some tags, only $20. But nobody knows me for, keep putting faith in front and believe the best is yet to come, you'll see. Nothing in this life comes completely free, but every once in a while, you just get lucky. Get Lucky's a song, and it's like the first video I ever did. And it's out there, it's out there, and, and you know, you put wands, get lucky, you'll find it. Yeah. And it just outlines the story of what I was doing when all this stuff happened. Every day, riding the get on the bus, work on beats, get to my office, do my job, get done with work, get on the bus, work on beats, come home, hang up my, sh hang up my shit, in the lab I go, work on beats, work on songs. That's all I ever did. And go to shows like none of us can do right now. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I was always looking for opportunity. It, it, it just kind of found me. And then after that was over, you know, not enough of a, of a foundation was built, you know, and that's, what's really hard. Yeah. That's, do you think you had found your voice by the time Macklemore hit you up to do thrift shop or do you think you, Hmm. The bad thing about, you know, sometimes having too many choices is just as bad as not having any choice at all. And the bad part for me was, you know, uh, I wasn't specialized. Macklemore is a specialized type of rapper. You don't want to put him in a rap battle like Eminem, <laughs> right? You know, he's never going to be able to be Rabbit and do that, right? And he's not going to be like 50 Cent. He's not going to be like, French Montana, he's going to be Macklemore. That's who he is. That's why, you know, his music sounds different from everybody else. And at the time, that was that was one of the things that made him most attractive because he didn't sound like all the guys who were talking about weed, drugs, women, and cars. Because that's the only, and they were all talking about themselves. He very rarely talked about himself and was bragging about it. He'd talk about himself and uh, talk about himself and what his fears were, real thoughts the same thoughts that everybody has. And I tried to do the same thing with some of the things, you know, I have, I have an EP out and all those songs were written before I ever met, well, all of them but one. They were all written before I met him, but they all fit right into that groove. They just didn't sound, they needed, they needed production. But the guy who introduced me to Ryan and Ben, we had a falling out. Mm. And he was a dope producer. 
too bad he couldn't have gone farther. Yeah. Too bad he couldn't have got, you know, gotten on and shared what, what I went through because that's what I wanted to do. He wanted to do something else. And it's like, he thought it would be better to insult me and, and diss on me. And so I said, see ya. Do you think you got stuck in that Nate Bog, Nate, not Nate Bog, Nate Dog box? Like you have that song, yeah. Nate Dog, even. And like, it was dope that Warren G was even on that song with you and that mu- shot a music video, nuts. But like, yeah. Do you typecast? They call it, call it typecast. And some days I feel like Urkel. You know who Urkel yeah, is? Yeah, Family Matters, right? Yeah. Sometimes I feel like Urkel. Because mm. Urkel's never really done anything outside of being Urkel. Mm. He's always Urkel. And as soon as you say Urkel, you know who it is, right? And so, you know, Two Nate Dog came from being out, uh, being on the way to the buses after doing a show in Boston. And, you know, we're taking pictures and you know, thanks for the, you know, thanking people for coming and blah, 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 signing autographs, you know, typical shit. And I heard somebody off in the distance saying, oh man, he's just trying to be like Nate Dog. He's just riding coattails. And when I got back to the bus, I thought about it, it pissed me off. So I got in my rack, opened up my laptop. You want to hear me try to sound like Nate Dog? <laughs> and I, that's, I wrote to Nate Dog about Nate Dog to sound like Nate Dog. Send it back to a couple of homies back here, one of which knew and was friends with Warren. And I had met Warren uh, at South by Southwest when we went down there. So it's not like I, you know, it's not like I was totally foreign, right. but it totally freaked me out when all I heard was, yeah, save the last 12 for me. <laughs> and the verse that he sent back was too good for what the song was intended for, because I never would have gotten on if it hadn't been for Nate. So I owe him, you know, I, I, I will always owe him. That's why I still, you know, I rep his, I rep, uh, inhale, inhale seven. If you're on, uh, Instagram, inhale seven, that's his kid. And in a way, you know, me doing what I did and having a rapport with him, got him to change what he was doing and he went back and now he's following his dad's footsteps he's got a couple singles out he's got uh like a hundred thousand followers mm-hmm. he's on the step he's he, he's he's about ready to make that move because he's from there he's from the hood and you know rather than trying to be something that he wasn't he just went to be in what he wanted to do and that's what all of us are trying to right. do i'm still trying you know not much for me has changed. It's like somebody like picked me up and put me somewhere else for two and a half years and then put me almost exactly right back. Everything for me is the same. Almost everything is the same. Do you actually think after do you actually think do you actually think like age is like a problem or deal though? Or because I feel like completely really. Yeah, really. Really. I ask you honestly, besides Adele. How many artists in the top 30 on any chart besides adult contemporary over the age of 40 years old? Charlie Wilson. That would be one. <laughs> Next. Dr. Dre. He's not a, he's a producer more than he is an artist. Well, I'm keep going. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah, but I feel like 
I have so many artists like in the Seattle area who are like working as hard as they can. And then they're like, if I don't blow up until I'm 40 or something, that's fine. But is that, is that a, yeah, is that, that a bad mindset to have? No. The only bad part about that mindset is thinking that you're going to blow up. Mm. Yeah. Nobody, nobody, nobody really goes into it with the intention of blowing up and actually does it. Right. The, the, you know, that's like one, one, maybe one and a half percent of all the people who go into it, who, who walk that walk. So many things have to be right. And 80% of, in today's music business, 80% of it is you got to have the look. Just marketing, yeah. If you don't, if you don't look right, it doesn't matter what you sound like. They'd rather give what, you know, you could, have, you could write the best song in the world. You could write Dynamite by BTS, but it's going to go to some other artist. Right. It doesn't look like you. I guess that's why some people are like fine with like um, becoming like writers as they get older for other artists or anything like that. But Well, it's not that they become fine with it, but, you know, being an artist is a, is a, it's a weird thing. I mean, we're talking today because I still have that same drive. I still have that desire. I, 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 I cannot not do music. That's why I have all this stuff. Some days I feel like, you know, I'm still trying to learn the drum beat from the Toto song, Rosanna, because it's hard. And it's like, I know how to play drums, but I'm not a drummer. I know how to play guitar, but I'm not a guitar player. I know how to play bass, but I'm not a bass player. And I know how to play keyboards, but I'm not a keyboard Why not player. take lessons? I'm in, <laughs> I'm in between all the, you think I'm not? Oh, you probably are. I'm taking, I mean, I'm taking voice lessons, mm. guitar lessons. I pick up, you know, I pick up things, right? But the thing about being young is you don't have the same time management challenges you do as when you get older. Right. Because as you get older, you got to start paying for things. And the older you get, the more expensive things get. And then all of a sudden you meet that significant other and all you do is hang out with that person and that takes away from your time. Not a bad thing. That's just the way it is. Hmm. And then you get married, you have kids. And then once you have kids, it's like having time to yourself is like, Ooh, see you later. Fuck. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. It, you know, it, it, that's one of the reasons. But I mean, most of it is, is the business is not made for people of a certain age because people of a certain age don't listen to new music. People of a certain age listen to the music that they listen to. That's why you have. The, the 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 your favorite song on on the day that you graduated high school will always be one of your favorite songs hmm. period there are people who thrift shop you know bts is great corduroy by taylor swift is great uptown funk is great but thrift thrift shop will always be their jam because it was happening in their junior or senior year of high school or their first or second year of college it will always be their jam hmm. And now all those kids, all those people, I just did a, I just did an online thing last night with their kids. Wow. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> the weirdest thing for me now is like, yeah, I was on the song named Thrift Shop. And, you know, I'm talking to someone who's like eight, nine, 10 years old. They weren't even here. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't a part of it. 
it's just awkward. <laughs> you know, go ask your mom and dad who 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 Macklemore is. Okay. Is it is it weird to kind of to be like this little like timestamp, or everyone just associates you with something that was like, I don't even, like even if you get over it, like if you're able to move on, like you have with your like you're actually working in technology again and everything like that. Yeah. So it might it might be easier for you to move on versus like an actually a fan who thinks Dude. like I I didn't even realize I I didn't even realize thrift shop came out like eight years ago now I I, I didn't even think. <laughs> Can you imagine what it's like being me with those damn statues sitting up there? And every single day, Facebook reminds me of what I was doing seven, eight years ago. (laughs) You have no idea. But the same thing happens, you know, the same thing happens to when you were a freshman or sophomore at Mercer Island, right? Seniors, juniors, they do the same thing. And whatever they did in high school or whatever they did in college, they're not doing that anymore. They're doing something else. And that's what life is all about, mm-hmm. right? You and I are lucky because, you know, there's a thing that we we want to do that we can do all the time, right? I have never, like, been out of work for a long time. I've always had a day job. So being able to go back to tech was just kind of natural. Why? Happened. And then 10 years before, uh, 10 years before that, I was driving a delivery van, delivering hair care products all around Seattle and Tacoma and everywhere in between. And 10 years before that, I was working at, well, I, I, I got out of college and was working at a record store. So it's like, I always had something, but the thing that is a constant thread through all of it, all the way back to first grade, um, at Ursa Minor Elementary School in Anchorage, Alaska on Fort Richardson on an October day of 1966, 1967. When I, that's the first thing I remember was singing for a whole bunch of kids, singing songs on the radio because they didn't believe I, I, I could sing. But that's the first thing I can remember. So, you know, there are people who take an interest and a passion and they make, they end up making a living out of it, but most of us turn it into a hobby because we don't blow up, right? And what I had to remember in 2008, 2009, when I was like fighting depression like a madman, because I had come to the realization that there's no such thing as an old pop star. And I'd been grinding for 30 years at that point. Right. 30 years I've been waiting. I had been trying to blow up. <sighs> yeah. So, you know, I, I finally gave up. I had a friend who reminded me, we don't do it because we're going to be famous. We do it because we love it. And I can't not create. I can't not make music. I can't not sing. I sing when I go to the grocery store. I sing when I'm walking around the lake. I sing everywhere because that's who I've always been. So, you know, what's weird for me now is it used to you get the more siloed you get. I don't have a click. I don't know who my people are. Mm. And because there have, you know, there just aren't, I, I was like a unicorn. I'll never forget this. In Paris, I was always like going out every single show, every single show I went out to talk to the kids waiting in line because to me it was amazing. It was part of my experience, right? And this girl in France, she's like 14 years old. She goes, 
um, do you believe in unicorns? And I had to think about it and I had to think about it and remembered when I was, you know, down in 2008, 2009, when I didn't believe any of this had happened, I had to think about two nights ago when I was in, on stage in front of 9,000 people, all of them singing the song that I sung on and that how I had dreamed about that since I was a kid. I look at the charts and there's not another person who's near my age in the top 10, 20, 30, 100, whatever. And I, you know, all this happens in the blink of an eye and I look back at her and I said, huh, I guess I have to believe in unicorns. I am one. But you never took time to really build your community, you feel like, or? Build my community. I had my community. Every single night when I walked, every single night when the beat dropped on that song for five minutes, I was in the happiest place I could ever be. Hmm. Ever. Ever. Yeah. And see, now, you know, it's back to being, you know, it's like people go to the gym and they work out. You know, some people don't go to the gym as much as they should. I probably don't practice as much as I should, but. You know, I got kids, I got grandkids, I got a full-time job, I got a girlfriend, I got, I got stuff. And the more stuff you put in your life, the more balancing of your time that it takes. Yeah. And as you get older, it gets harder. I think that's but, why a lot of, uh, that's why a lot of like the younger generations like really focused. If they want to be an artist, they're like, like my goal is I don't want to have, get married or have kids until I'm like 30 or 40. Right. That's what I said. <laughs> That's what I said. Because just... I was working. I was I was focused, man. I mean, I was focused. And in elementary, middle school, high school, college. As long as I could remember, all I ever heard was, man, you're really good. You're going to be famous. You're going to be famous, man. You're really good. You're going to be famous. God, I really love the what you do. All of that. All of that. But boy, did I, you know, at 40 something years old. It was like hitting a brick wall at light speed. There's no such thing as an old pop star. Well then, well now what do I do? Yeah, I just feel like everything is a lesson, right? So I, I, I what I've learned is sometimes I feel that I like take, I let Jesus take the wheel too much. Meaning I think just because I'm working hard, things are gonna come my way because I notice things do come my way when I'm working hard. But it's more like, I'm on autopilot. Do you, and it's not like I really am taking time to notice that I'm working hard. It's just like, it's just built in that I work hard and then things happen around me. Do you feel that with what you were doing, like you were working hard and this, this tour and everything you did, it was just like a payoff because you were working hard. But do you think you might've been on autopilot with not being able to like form these managers or this publicist beforehand or anything like that? No. No, I mean, you can drive yourself nuts trying to figure out why this or that didn't happen mm-hmm. or did happen before. 2020 is, you know, it's hindsight is always 2020, you know, but you know what? There's not a damn thing you're going to ever be able to do to change it. I can't go back to one of the nights that we we're playing uh, the Madison Square Ballroom because we played it like a zillion nights in a row, like five nights in a row. But one of those nights that we were there, you know, I was talking with somebody's management, right? And trying to make that contact, right? 
And they asked me a very interesting question. So if, if I was going to manage you, what would I, what would I be promoting? What's your product? Well, it gets back to music business. You know, you can write bars and bars and bars and bars and be a great lyricist and be all deep and socially conscious or funny or whatever. You can be everything in the world, but if you can't present it in a way that somebody's going to want to pay, you're not going to blow up. People are going to love you. You'll go to parties and you'll like whip out all this poetry and you'll be like sensitive or girls will go, oh, or guys will go, damn, or, or, you know, whatever. Right. But if you're going to make it a profession, just like every single product on every single shelf of every single grocery store or store that you go into, it's a product and you got to sell it. Yeah. I watch commercials. I watch all kinds of commercials. I love watching commercials because it teaches me who my audience is not. Right. Hmm. And, 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 you know, the learning never stops. I learned a lot from thrift shop, but between, between 2015, actually between 2014 and 2018, everything that I learned from being on that tour and having that experience, none of it worked. Hmm. So at the end of 2018, I'm like, what the hell do I do now? Damn. And you know what? This is Thursday. Last Sunday, I was sitting here at this desk. What the hell do I do now? Because now it's like I've been out there and it's like I know what that's like. And now it's like, how do I let whatever I do in here be good enough for me to just have fun with? You know, how do I write a song like I'm in love with the girl of you? Da, 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 da. You know, I remember sitting on a couch in Belgium talking to Ed Sheeran about that song before he ever wrote it. Right. right. Because he was working on his second record and we were at a festival together and I had met him before. And he's like the nicest guy in the world. And, you know, it's really hard. Because I think about, what did he say? You know, you just have to write what you feel and then feel what you write. Well, yeah, that's easy. If you're Ed Sheeran. But what do we not know? We don't know how many songs he writes that don't make the cut, that we'll never hear. We don't know how many, how many days in the studio were complete shit. All we know is what gets presented. All we ever see is the sausage. We don't get to see how the sausage is made. And, and that's what's really hard about being in the business. Being able to know exactly what recipe you're going to use to create whatever flavor sausage you're making. You know, back in the early days of hip hop, it was like, what's your flavor? I got your flavor. And it's like, now I get it. I understand what that meant because in the late 80s, early 90s, there weren't, I mean, rappers did not sound alike, period. Mm -hmm. Now everybody sounds like, <laughs> name yeah. somebody, you know? I feel like, yeah, I mean, it makes sense too. Like, I feel like you have a little nostalgia behind you, but I feel like you also like understand that things happen for a reason. Everything. I I feel like there are definitely artists, whether they have made it or haven't made it, and just have a lot of friends that 
made it in the early 80s or 90s and now they're up there in their 40s and 50s as well mm-hmm. i feel like they're still trying to like chase something without realizing why they did what they did wrong right mm-hmm. so what did it take for you like was there like a specific event or something that it took for you to realize that like you can continue to pursue music but you actually have to continue to find work as well like i think everyone has to figure out whether you're old or not like a balance of actual work and music right and i feel like i i personally know friends who have been homeless just because they want to focus on music right and that's not sustainable whatsoever so like what did, what did it take for you to actually realize you know what i can't keep waiting for a call yeah, waiting for a call, that, that's 2014. I waited for a call all of 2014 and most of 2015. And the call never came. So when I got back and, and decided to leave the tour, I got a job. Why? Because that's what I did before all this happened. And I got to eat. I got out of room roof over my, like I said, I've never really been unemployed. I've always had a job. And that job was the means to an end. And that end is making music and performing period still is mm-hmm. right even now it's like you know i see lots of friends online they're doing their shows online and i'm sitting here going oh, gee wants why why don't you do a show online why don't you write a song so you can do a show online <laughs> and go round and round and around chasing my tail right because it's it's i still get caught up in the business of it and I'm not good at it. So I keep doing what I do. And maybe I'll meet that person who is good at the things that I'm not good at. That's, the, you know, that's any squad, you know, any squad group of people, any group of people, they hang together because they complement each other. And in a time of COVID, it's really, really difficult to find those people because everybody's entrenched in their home, working from home. Yeah. You know, it used to be, you know, I go hang out at a club and it's like I get together with the DJ and the next day we're talking and he sends me a beat. And then the next night, you know, I'm at his place and we're working it out. And then he has another show on the weekend and boom, we're performing the song. Yeah. But now that there's no place to play and everybody and their dog is on the Internet all day, (laughs) people don't want to be on the Internet to see a show. They're tired of it because, you know. I've been online since I've been online for 10 and a half hours. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, what am I going to do? I'm going to do what I learned how to do. What I learned. In fact, I got to plug. I got to plug. Most people don't know that I have a book. You can order it in, in uh, over Amazon. It's pretty cheap. It's like 10 bucks. It's called hashtag the book of wands. All one word. <laughs> looks like that hell yeah there we go hashtag the book of wands right and all this book is it's a whole bunch of tweets that i sent out or that i kept trying i just documented them but they all meant something right experiences with whoever I met in line that day or something my dad said or something like, but I found out that, you know, when I was down, I got back up again. That's instrumental in being successful. 
Now I'm learning how to redefine what success means. Success doesn't mean having a chart-topping worldwide hit. Right now, success is finishing a song. Surviving COVID. <laughs> Dude, I ain't, go, I ain't going out to see nobody. I ain't touching nothing. It's like, you know, I've been trying to get up the, not the courage, but I've been, I've been trying to make time to go shopping for the last three days. Yeah. I'm, you know, somebody's going to get that shit, but it's not going to be me. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's the story of my life. It's going to happen to somebody, but it's just not going to be me. <laughs> oh, God. I'm, tr- hey, oh, hey. Man. I gave up, I gave up drinking in, in, in 99. And in 2003, I started noticing it's like, Wow, when I come home, like from being out and stuff like that, and there's people pulled over doing the field test, and I'm like driving by going, mm-hmm, told you it wasn't going to be me. <laughs> so it's going to happen to somebody. It just probably isn't going to be me. Hell yeah. And that's fine because, I mean, you know, thrift shop fell out of the sky. I mean, that, that that's an opportunity. It's probably never going to happen again, which is why I – quit my $85,000 a year job and went on the road. And I'd never been on the road before Mm. at 51 years old. It doesn't matter if it happens. Well, I take that back. It doesn't matter when it happens. It only matters if it happens. Because if it doesn't happen, did it really happen? Mm. Could it really happen? The wondering will kill you, right? And this is, you know, yeah. 80% of my day is trying to, you know, I'm still in my mind. I still chase my own tail thinking about things. Now, if I hadn't have done this, would this be different? And then if something sort of familiar comes up and I recognize it in time, am I going to make the same decision? Fuck. You know, for all I know, for all I know, the right person will see this podcast Look up, look me up on Google, find my webpage, thewands.com, send me an email, and we'll have a conversation, and boom! Yeah. Ellen DeGeneres will be out of a job because I need a TV show. Hell yeah. Right? Or somebody's looking for the next cool-ass character in a Disney movie and I'm the voice. I can see that. They just want a voice that sounds like this all the damn time. <laughs> why don't you just, whoa, whoa! Right? I don't know. That's why we got to do that in Seattle. Like, like what, I, well, what I've learned with a lot of artists is like if you really want to do something, like there's so many so many outlets at this point that you can't wait for people. You just have to do it on your own. You have to do it on your own, you know, and I don't, you know, I don't know how to do animation. So what do I do? I record music. Yeah. And you know, if somebody, if, if I ever get finished with it and put it out, you know, maybe somebody will put it in their movie or put it in their commercial or, or put it in their little stock video for their, whatever company they're doing. I don't know. I don't know. This is the hardest thing in the world to remember. You're only responsible for what you can do. Yeah. Everything else is out of your control. So if you know what you can do, just do that. Why? Because no one does it like you. No one sings like me. There are people who can try to sound like me, but I'm the only ones there is. Just like you're the only Blake there is. You sound the way you sound. You look the way you look. You do what you do. And every person is like that 
says it in the book. Hell yeah. We or it actually says that's what that's what the title of my TED talk is. You too can be your own unicorn. Why? Because everybody has a story. Everybody got exposed to mine, but what about that person who doesn't, you know, doesn't have that shot, mm-hmm. right? They could be the star football player one day, end up in a wheelchair the next. But that's a hell of a story for whoever comes after you, right? You could be, could have been living on the streets three months ago, talked to a guy at a bus stop, and all of a sudden, now you're making six figures. It happens. Yeah. You just, you know, what's the, what's the, what's the phrase? I told myself all the time. I'm always ready. So I don't have to get ready. Yeah. That's how thrift shop happened. Some guy called me up at 1230, you know, half an hour after midnight, I went and sung for a guy and boom, the rest is history. But if I hadn't have answered the phone, if I wouldn't have gotten out of bed, there's so many places it could have gone wrong. Right. But it didn't, it happened exactly the way it was supposed to. Yeah. And that's the way life works. Being able to accept that one fact of, about your life will make your job so much easier trying to live. Everything happens for a reason. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. And all you want to do is make sure that those things balance out. Do more good things than bad things. Life's pretty damn good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we talked a little bit about radio, the radio industry in Seattle before the podcast, but like, tell me a little bit more about that. Like, I know it's definitely changed since you've probably moved to Seattle when you first moved here. It's completely changed. It's, well, this is, a, this is another facet of the business. It used to be Seattle as a music town. I mean, Seattle didn't come, become the grunge capital of the world overnight. Everybody seems to forget that there was a life here before you know 1991 <laughs> or 1989 when i moved here there was a crap ton of different radio stations you know you heard a variety but this is the bad part about the business of music there's only four or five companies who own all the radio stations on the planet <sighs> yeah there's only three that own all the all all the all the radio stations in the United States are owned by basically three companies, unless they're operating as an independent. Mm-hmm. And if you operate as an independent, you don't have the, you don't have enough funds usually. Capital. Yeah. You don't have enough capital to buy the equipment you need to broadcast to as wide an audience. So, you know, some people listen to KBCC, KBBC, some, you know, the internet's a great thing, you know, but I just found out right before COVID happened, I found out that the you know there are there's there's a radio station that just serves Ballard, Finney, Wall, uh, Wallingford. It only goes as far north as as Broadview. Mm. You know, if I had twenty people who listen to my music in that place in that place alone, that'd be twenty more people that are listening to my music now. And that's the way you got to think of it, right? Mm. There's there's all sorts of opportunities. I mean, a, a, a friend of mine reminded me. It's like, well, why don't you just put your put a put a hook together and put it on like some really dancey music and give it to C eighty nine. C eighty nine's been around since I can remember in Seattle since I got here, Nathan Hale High School. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes, 
sometimes having all the materials and having the right tools isn't all there is, you know? And I mean, this goes for everything. You can have all the talent, all the tools, but if you don't have the directions and, and know how to put something together, it's never gonna work. Like English, if you don't put a sentence together correctly, you're not gonna be as well understood. <laughs> right. For all you people who hate English, because I know there's a lot of, I used to ask myself, dude, if I flunk English, does that mean I'm, I'm supposed to stop talking? Because it's the only language I know. I still don't understand slang words. Like I'm terrible with like my friends will be saying some like new word and I'll, I'll try to say it and like I'll it'll catch on for me at least like five months later that everyone's like, Blake, why are you using that word now or something? I'm just, I, I can't. Bro, don't worry about it. I have friends that still say rad and I look at them like they're insane because <laughs> it's like, you actually said that, didn't you? <laughs> oh yeah, I love that word. It's rad. <laughs> like, come on. It's like, wow, that's like me saying groovy man mm. what because everything when i grew up when i was a kid it was like everything was groovy man yeah <laughs> yeah what do you think changed about like what changed in seattle's radio culture though it's the business right amazon everybody forgets that amazon used to be a bookstore nobody knows that now right everybody forgets that there used to be only one starbucks and it's a pike place market nobody thinks that now <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> Change is the only thing my dad used to say. Change is the only thing you can count on. Well, the question is, are you going to embrace it or are you going to resist it? The music business is notorious for resisting change. Right. You know, look up, look up the history of Napster. Yeah. And then compare the history of Napster to the history of cassettes. Or no, wait, Napster, the CDs, to the history of cassettes, to the history of 45s, <laughs> to the history of 78s. Mm. Now, that's, that's almost 130 years of history that I just went through. It's the evolution of earbuds right. on your phone, right? Maybe the reason why, because radio must have totally digged like nirvana nirvana and all that stuff they probably no 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 no. the business of radio is predicated on music right music right music doesn't go anywhere unless there's people to purchase the music right the whole concept of radio was playing something to get people to listen so that in between sets of music they could play commercials and people would you know sell to they would sell to us they would buy time on a radio station so that people would listen to commercials and go buy the product. Right. That's the only reason radio ever existed hmm. was to sell things. Music was just, that's why you listen to the radio so that you could hear your favorite song. I mean, the, the world is so much smaller. Could you imagine if there was no internet? Yeah, we can't do that nowadays. <laughs> yeah, but answer my question. Think about it. You're in a generation, you've never known a world without an internet. You've never known a world without a portable phone. Yeah. See, that's the, that's one of the things that, you know, being old is really I great. I got this phone, though. I, I know. <laughs> I, I, remember, I remember when girls had that in their college dorm room. It was awesome. It was awesome. 
But the whole thing of it is, is that things change and you got to roll with the changes. You know, what used to work in, in the 70s as far as music business and radio. I mean, I grew up on AM radio and on AM radio, I could hear a country song, a rock song, a blues song, um, a funk song, a easy listening song, and then a commercial. Mm-hmm. Five songs and then a commercial. And each one of those five songs was different. There's not a radio station in this country who does that. Mm-mm. Maybe right? KXP, maybe, but that's kind of like independent. Yeah, but it's independent, yeah. right? And, you know, it's not it's not as big as right. Clear Channel, iHeart. iHeart's amazing. I mean, iHeart Radio and Clear Channel, they've, 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 those two companies destroyed the music business because they bought up all the stations. And now it's like you go to every, you can go, you know, there's KUBE in this town. There is a KUBE 93.3 right around the same dial position. It could be 93.2, 93.5, 93.7. But it's all the same, playing the same exact style of music, playing exactly the same songs in every city of over a million people all across the nation. But did, did, did Seattle radio like rally towards Nirvana and stuff like in the 90s? Or so. Yeah, but I mean, the music business changed. Okay. The business of music, you right. have to re- be able to separate these two. And when you put radio into it, radio is, is a delivery system for advertising. Yeah. That's all it ever has been. Yeah. The, the, the hook to get people to listen is the music. Okay. Right? I mean, there was a world before music videos. What happened then? There was only radio. Mm. And then your, you know, the, your favorite artist would come through once a year. It's not like you could dial up a channel and wait 15 minutes and boom, there they are. These days, you know, if you want to see, if you want to see your favorite artist on a, on a music video, well, you just put it up on your phone and watch it as many times as you want. It's on demand, right? Which is what's killing the radio business. Terrestrial radio is going away because Everybody has a computer selector. It's like you're having a remote control to the television of your own in your hand. And the challenge for the business, music business, is how do I deliver my music to all the, to as many of those as possible when I'm competing against 30 million other people doing exactly the same thing? Yeah, I am. Um, when I was at the station, like of course, like before the quarantine and everything. Mm-hmm. When I first when I first got hired there, like my main thing was I wanted to help the local music scene. And like I'd set up interview I'd set up like interviews with like the executives and stuff for the station. And then mm-hmm. one day one of the ladies had to sit me down and was like, Blake, do you know what commercial radio is? And I was like, I, I think so. And they're like, Blake, there's no money in the local music scene here. <laughs> Why would we play local nope. artists if no one's heard of them? So I just feel like we're kind of, but then when you think of like LA and Atlanta, like the music scene's popping off there and there's, they have radio there and like you, that you want to be on the radio in LA, like the breakfast club in New York is huge. But like, we're just like here in Seattle, we don't really have, the music scene has nothing to really go off of. We don't really have, we don't have really MTV. We don't have radio. Well, I don't know. The, Seattle doesn't have what's called an infrastructure. So in LA, Nashville, New York, Chicago, Dallas, they have what's called an infrastructure. 
which means if you have any facet of, of the business, right, you can find resources. You can find people who have experience in guiding you, right? There's, you know, there aren't very many music lawyers in Seattle. Mm. There's a crap ton of producers for every genre of music. But, I mean, I have a recording studio in my second bedroom of my condo, right? But I'm not a producer. And then even if you, even if I made a song, right, then what? Hmm. Well, there's no such thing as artist development. I don't know anything about PR. You know how many PR firms there are in Seattle? No idea. Not as many as there are in LA. Right. <laughs> right. Do you know how many publishing houses there are in Seattle? Music publishing. That's all they do is music publishing. Oh, that must be like little to none. Right. Unlike LA or New York or infrastructure, right? And then there are people who manage people who write songs for those publication houses. Hmm. Not very many of those people here either. We see this is the hard it's not about you know you said local radio there's local radio like i said you i mean the 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 king of the mountain for local radio is kexp but even that's not easy to get on right you have to have you know nobody's going to listen to your music unless people find you and unless unless you have a magical way of getting a thousand to three thousand people to buy your stuff and you can show proof that they did, right? You can show, now it's all analytics and demographics and whatever. If you don't have the analytics that show that you've been having, you've been on a eight to 15% growth spurt for the last 15 months, no one's going to spin your record. No one, hmm. no one. It doesn't matter what market you're in. Why? No money for them. Ta-da! Shit. Because commercial radio is more commercial than it is radio. <laughs> it's about selling things. And when you're me, right, that's the most depressing thought experiment to get into. How would someone make money off of me? Because until someone figures out a way that they can make money off of me, I'm going to keep doing exactly what I'm doing. Hmm. And that's, that's the lesson that I learned from Thrift Shop. Macklemore did all kinds of things, right? because he got in and was able to diversify and do these other things, right? Put out two other records, but you know, there's a reason why he hasn't put out a record in two years. Right. And it doesn't have anything to do with COVID. He's probably happy. He's probably but, happy. He's probably loaded. I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, he, well, he's happy because he's got two little girls to play with and they're dynamite. Oh, yeah. But I mean, he, he like me hasn't stopped creating. He, like me, has a studio in his house. Right. He's been writing songs and he's on another level. He doesn't have to wonder if, if, if it sounds right. You know, he has somebody who comes in and, and does all that. All he has to worry about is making the song. That's all he has to worry about. Damn. Because he's got everything else. Yeah. He's got, he knows people who do all the things that he's not able to do. Yeah. Right. And that's all, that's all the business is about. You know, you find people who are good at the things that you're not good at. And and that's how you start to build a squad. Do you know who Paris Alexa is? Yes. 
Now, see, I remember Paris Alexa two years ago, meeting her and talking to her parents and convincing them to let her chase her musical aspirations instead of going, because they wanted her to go to college. Damn. Juans, will you talk to my parents? Well, of course I'll talk to your parents. And what did I tell them? <laughs> college will always be there. This kind of opportunity with a talent like hers may not always be there. And boom, two and a half, two years later, she's got a record deal. She's writing music. She's looking great. And she doesn't return my calls, <laughs> which is no big thing. Because, I mean, when you're in the grind, you're in the grind. And you haven't got time to do everything because you're working. It's work making the sausage for everybody to yeah. eat. And you ain't going to eat unless you make the sausage. Mm. But nobody wants to be around while the sausage gets made. So what do you think about the Seattle music scene? Like, do you think... I think the I think the Seattle music scene is missing one of the most important things that it could possibly have. Community. Out of community comes unity. And the music scene is more fractured than I could possibly fathom. <laughs> um, last year, um, I was asked to, to, to speak at um, a hip hop conference in Toronto by a guy that I met at the Grammys, at the hotel that I was staying at at the Grammys two years ago, right? Out of nowhere, hey, you want to come to Toronto? I'll pay your way and blah, blah, blah. So I went there. And, you know, Toronto is a little smaller than Seattle. And Drake is like one of many rappers there. How many other rappers that you know are from Toronto besides him? There's a ton. There's a, I've, they have a massive music scene. So what's the thing that they have that we don't? They have community. And that's what I learned. I met, I met like 20 to 50 people that I'd never seen before. And all of them behaved like they were all best friends. And every single person that I met, <clears throat> all the performers that I met, I still keep in touch with. They still hit me up. What's going on? We, you know, we haven't gotten to the point of we're collabing or anything, but it's being a part of that community. And the thing is, is that Seattle, because of the way that Seattle is, and because everybody, you know, I don't want you to see what I'm doing. Don't touch me. I don't know you. What the, you know, everybody is so protective. And that's not how it was when I first moved here. When I first moved here, it's like, I'm doing this. Really? How do you do that? Well, I do it like this. Well, cool. Well, this is what I do. Really? That's cool. When are you playing? I'm playing this. And, and people go to others. They shared everything. It was not uncommon for all the guys in Alice in Chains to go see a Soundgarden show. And all the guys in Soundgarden to go see a Pearl Jam show. And all the guys from Pearl Jam to go see a Nirvana show. And then after all those shows, we'd end up at the same bar together. That's how I know all those guys. Because mm -hmm. we hung out. Now, it's harder to get around. It's harder for people from Ballard to get to Capitol Hill. Capitol Hill people don't go up north to Northgate. Northgate people don't go down to what used to be the CD, and the CD people definitely don't go down to the Valley, unless, it's, of course, they're doing it on Beacon Hill. But if they go to Beacon Hill, you can't pay them enough to get to go to get them to go to West Seattle. And West Seattle people, it's an island unto itself. Yes. <laughs> See what I'm saying? It's fractured. So you know the common the common thread of all of this is 
creating music, but the vehicle by which to gather these people together to get them to meet people. And I don't even want to go into Tacoma. Oh God, yeah. Tacoma is more together than Seattle is. Why? Because it has community. And they know they're rap folk hang out. Rap folk hang out with rock folk. Rock folk hang out with R and B folk. R and B folk moonlight with jazz folk. But that's not the way it is in Seattle. Well, Tacoma knows that they're not Seattle, so they need to do something about it, right? <laughs> Tacoma hates Tacoma hates Seattle, even though they're they're becoming Seattle. Why are they becoming Seattle? Because every every small town grows up to be a bigger town, and that's what happened to Seattle. Yeah. And now Seattle is, you know, Seattle is is at the baby steps of being Chicago, right? And you know every city goes through the same thing. It's it's growing pains, and and you know it doesn't help. I know more. I know more than a few people who wanted to do more, so they moved to L.A. five six years ago. They're back. They're back here now because they realized what I always did. I don't have to live down there to do what I'm doing. <laughs> I can do it up here where there's still, thankfully, less people. And you think it's expensive to live here? Don't even think about going to the valley or, or, or the bay. Jesus, there's a good percentage of people who live up here because it's a bargain compared to living in the mm -hmm. bay, anywhere around San Francisco. So, you know, make the best of where you are. Cause we're, you know, greatest movie, Buckaroo Banzai. Greatest line of the movie, no matter where you go, there you are. Mm. And it's always freaking true, even especially when you don't like it. Yeah. Out there doing the field sobriety test. No matter where you go, there you are. <laughs> so make the best of it, you know? And and it's not easy. Being consistent and doing it every day. That's how golfers become pro golfers. Man. That's how they get they get consistent. That's how, that's how Steph Curry can like for three. <laughs> Steph Curry for three, because he practices, right? And that's all that uh, you know. All the musicians out there, they're practicing their craft. They're trying to. They're making their own sausage. And uh, you know, we can't rely as artists. We can't rely on on radio anymore to 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 project us out there. We have to take the lessons that are learned from radio, from television, from the internet, YouTube, TikTok, whatever it is. There are lessons in there of how you can set yourself and make yourself look different than somebody else who's doing exactly the same thing. For me, I'm just trying to figure out how do I present myself to people between 30 and 50? Hmm. Why? because I can relate to people from 30 to 50 better than I can relate to people from 15 to 30. Cause you know, to a 15 year old, I'm freaking ancient, <laughs> right? To a 30 year old, I'm just mature. And to a 50 year old, I'm a homie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause you know, I'm old, but you know, if I have something to say, I mean, you can be 15 years old and be depressed. You can be 80 years old and be depressed. It's both painful. But the story of being and being depressed or being happy or being blessed or being lucky or being in love or being out of love, 
all these feelings happen to everybody. And as creatives, our purpose is to figure out how we can put words together with music and present it to somebody who goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Say that again. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's it. It's that simple, but it's that hard. <laughs> that's, that's the catch. <laughs> Always a catch. So with this whole pandemic, everyone's taking time to learn more about themselves. What is something that you hmm. learned more about yourself throughout these past few months? Everything that I know, I put in this book. And almost every day, I relearn what I put in this book. One of the things that I put in this book is the answer to your question. The answer to your question is, we are much more than we tell ourselves we are. That's what I've learned. Hmm. I am much more than I tell myself. I am on the constant search to find that person other people see and like and want to be around. And when I find that person, we hang out, we have fun, and it's awesome. When I can't find that person, it sucks balls. Yeah. But, you know, here's the weird thing. I am that person. And you can't get away from yourself. You can never run away from yourself. And until you get comfortable with that person, it's hard to deal with anybody else. It's true. I, well, I'll say it. that's been my experience. Right. But I guarantee you, the one thing that everybody who's like hearing and watching this has in common, when you're not happy, the world's not right. When you're happy, the world's right. Yeah. And when you're in between, you're either going one way or the other. So the trick is, is like take all the stuff that you get when the world is right and remember how you got there. But never forget that you're going to go the other direction and be happy about it all. Because some people don't make it as far. They don't make it to the moment that, that we're at right now. Some people don't make it. So if you've made it this far, can you go farther? Can you go an hour farther? What about a day? What about a week? Can you do another month of lockdown? You did it last month. Why do you think you can't do it another mm -hmm. month? See, this is the thing that I, these are the other things that I go through. I don't mind being home alone. Why? I live alone. <laughs> you know, I have a place that I don't mind being because, you know, I have more than some, less than others. And even a knucklehead with pushing a cart on a street can say that because everything in that cart is that person's. And there's somebody worse off than that motherfucker. Right. So anytime that you don't think that you have enough, look at what you have. These are some of the ways that I cheer myself up. 
you know, before I go to sleep, turn off all the lights and everything. And then I, in the dark, I could see a lot of, you know, you can always see something. Look around the room. Everything in that room is yours. Oh, that bed you're sleeping in? Bet you own that too. Yeah. And if it's not, at least you get to yeah. use it. Not everybody can say they have a bed to use. Maybe you need to start a podcast. Maybe that's what you need. Dude. I would if, if if it were my calling, but it's not my calling. One time Macklemore said, you're like the male Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yeah, I, I pay attention. Yeah. I learn. I learn. And, you know, just like one in one equals, everybody learned that. But there was a time when you didn't know it. And, and how hard to press the pedal so that you stopped at the stop sign. There was a time when you didn't know it. And do you do you bite the lemon first or lick the salt first before you take a shot of tequila? There was a time you didn't know it. So what is actually wrong with being wrong? Being wrong gets you closer to being right. And nobody's right all the time. Right. So what, you know, Everybody wants to be right all the time, but nobody wants to be wrong. And it's like, no, I'll be wrong. I'll be wrong because then I'll learn another way not to do something. And if I share that with somebody, maybe I can save them from going through the experience that I did. Because I didn't like <laughs> it. Been to jail once. Never been back mm -hmm. since. Didn't like it. So I, I, any chance I get, you don't want to go to jail. <laughs> trust me. Right? You'd rather be sitting third row at the Grammys. I know what that's like. Nothing says weird like going over and going, Ed, Sharon, how you going? And he goes, Wands, good to see you. Have you met Taylor? <laughs> Taylor, this is Wands. And it's Taylor Swift. <laughs> and inside of your brain is going, oh my fucking God. <laughs> and then you say, Taylor, it's nice to meet you. I'm Wands. And she says, I know. I read about you. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you could definitely do a podcast. I think you would enjoy it. Or like, yeah, well, every I'm an entertainer. You know, I can entertain. That's why you know people have tried to talk me into going to radio, and that's not going to happen. Podcast or something that you just do, and it's like a little, it's like a diary, like which like recording your just thoughts, like yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like music. Who wants to listen? If you don't know who wants to listen, yeah. that's the whole thing. Though. That's the that's what's it's like. That's the game. Figuring out who wants to listen, you know, like no one really has to listen. Like if my podcast never goes anywhere, like I just talk to people and I enjoy their company. That's all that really matters, you know? Yeah, well, I can't, I can't always say that I enjoy people's <laughs> company. I enjoy yours, but, you know, and like I told you before, it's like, you're not going to need many questions because I tell stories, <laughs> right? So, you know, this whole hour and a half does not feel like it was an hour and a half. <laughs> And that's what, see, that's what communication is like that. And, and, and people have, you know, they spend so much time on their devices that they forget how to communicate. And, you know, TikTok is great. TikTok is great, but TikTok is, 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 is like, it's like, it's the new Seinfeld. Hmm. You know, everybody loved Seinfeld. I never watched it. I never thought it was that good. I never watched Friends or Cheers. All of them were people doing things 
that I could they're white as fuck. That's why. <laughs> exactly. You don't live in New York and people just come walking into your place. That doesn't happen in New York. I've been in New York. You get your ass shot that way. Right. Why do you have no black people on a television show? What the hell is that? That's, you know, you actually want me to watch that? You ever watch Blackish? <laughs> I've seen it. Hell yeah. Yeah. Serious. Yeah. The kid that's on there, the little kid. Oh, we wow. met. Yeah, I know. It's been really weird watching him go from an eight-year-old. And now he's like 16. Mm. 14 16 something like that it's crazy he asked if i was if i would want to be on a record that he was he was doing music i said sure holler two months later i hollered back and said what's going on with the record well i'm doing this i'm doing that then COVID hit and then sure enough last week records mm-hmm. out <laughs> shit happens all the time <laughs> yeah i know right what are you gonna do do you have like a community right now that like a music community that like you just like bounce ideas off of and they're actually like genuinely working just as hard? I, I'm trying to get this is like a this whole exercise that we're doing. I'm trying to get better at engaging yeah. it. I have a community. Right? Yeah. I mean, yesterday I was having problems with my audio setup. And I searched for over an hour on YouTube and forums looking for an answer to my question, couldn't find it. And then this morning I gave up and I finally asked uh, friends of mine who own a recording studio that I know have the same equipment. I asked them. And one of them said, let's do FaceTime. We did FaceTime. And he says, we went through this and show me that. And so I showed him and he goes, okay, now show me this. And sure enough, it was one of the stupidest things ever. <laughs> I I just had the I had things plugged into the wrong output. Mm. Now do it. Now do it. Right. <laughs> but you know, he, he he you know, and I said thanks for thanks for putting up for my, with my stupidity. He says, hey, at least the power was on. <laughs> yeah, that's that's community, yeah. right? But but being vulnerable like that, vulnerability is the greatest superpower ever that I think a lot of people have lost because they're too afraid of, they're too afraid of what somebody's going to do with whatever they show. You know what I mean? And, you know, I've learned, one of the other things that I've learned is humans are hella resilient. I mean, think back to eighth grade. Eighth grade was horrible. Nothing fit (laughs) right. Nobody liked you. You couldn't keep pimples off your face. Girls were scarier than shit. Guys were weird, stupid. <laughs> it was hilarious. And I use eighth grade as an example because I have a granddaughter and all last year, that's all she could talk about. We'd hang out once a week. How's school going? I hate it. Eighth grade sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to help anybody. Nobody. I learned. It's like, you know what? I'm going to keep being engaging. I'm going to keep being vulnerable. I'm going to keep putting myself out there because when I have not put myself out there, I haven't gotten as much as when I have put myself out there. Yeah. Right. So baby steps, a little at a time. It's a little more challenging in this time of COVID, Yeah. but you know, there are all kinds of things out there. There's and and zoom is great because you don't always have to turn on right. your camera. 
but that doesn't, you know, that doesn't, you can see, you can just sit in and listen to other people talk. You don't have to, you, you know, it, it, you know, you get to control what you get to control, which is the blessing and the curse, just like choice. Choice is the blessing and the curse. Yeah. You know, it's the key to all your happiness and the reason for all your failures. Choice. So just gather as much information as you can. Make the best choice that you can. Learn from whatever the, the outcome is and move on to the next. Because, you know, time doesn't go backwards. Water does not flow upstream. Rain does not go from the ground to the sky like it comes down. It evaporates. Yes, I know. <laughs> but, you know, you get the idea. Gravity is gravity. Gravity is the most consistent thing yeah. ever. So be like, be like water. Be like water. Be like gravity. Be constant. Yeah. Constantly be seeking a better way of doing whatever it is. There's a better way to make scrambled eggs. There's a better way to tie your shoe. There's a better way to wear jogger pants. There's, you know. And you'll never get bored. I love it when people say, oh, there's nothing to do. No, there's nothing you want to do. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's yeah. a difference. Yeah. Right? There's a difference. Be honest, you know. If you don't like something, don't like it. You don't have to. You get to mm -hmm. choose. And if somebody doesn't like it, sucks to be them. They don't know what it's like to be you. But just remember, you don't know what it's like to be them. Yeah. And you're even. I'm pretty proud of our music scene, though. Like, whether we're not completely all together, I feel like. Well, nothing's you know. perfect. It's, it's made by humans. So, you know, the best thing you can never do is do the best that you can. Maybe you'll inspire somebody to do the best that they can. And then things yeah. will get better. Maybe things will get worse. You yeah. don't know. You don't know. No one does. But what I'm, what I'm, what I'm learning, what I'm practicing, is I'm practicing engaging, because I can't just sit back and wish it were this way or that way, you know. Or you know, if I bitch about something, if I don't like something, what am I going to do to improve it? And then I can, you know, it sounds corny, but I'm gonna. I want to be part of the change that I want to see. You know, and I'm still trying to figure out how I want to do that. How do I, you know, this is my way of engaging with everybody else. But, you know, if you go to at T-E-E-W-A-N-Z on Instagram and you send me a message and you ask me a question, you're going to get an answer. Oh, yeah. Unless it's completely stupid, but I won't know because, you know, I didn't yeah. ask the question. But I always have an answer. Well, this podcast is hip. This podcast is cool, you know? So, like, uh, the whole entire Seattle music scene, most of the artists know who this podcast is. So, they'll check it out. And they'll. This is a resume for you. Cool. This is what it is, you know? <laughs> it's looking cool. Always send me the link, and I'll put it out there. And then let whatever happens, happens. Because that's the way the universe oh, yeah. works. The universe is always listening. So, what you put out there, some of it comes back. It may not come back the way that you want it, but then again, you put it out there. Remember, choice, choice, and 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 that's the that's the blessing oh, and yeah. the curse. So you know, it could happen, it could not happen. I don't know. All I can do is what I can do, and everybody's like that. And uh, you know, the challenge is figuring out why there's not the courage to do more. 
because it's not like we're stupid. <laughs> we just don't want to be judged. Oh, well, I don't mind being judged. Why? Because I'm honest. I judge. <laughs> Get over it. Everybody does. Get over it. Fruit on pizza. Everybody has an opinion. It's not bad. I'm just say it. I don't think it's that bad. No, some people think it's the devil's anus, but you <laughs> never know. Anus. Right? Yeah. Right? But the whole thing of it is, the whole thing it is, 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 you know, you didn't get this far by playing it safe. At some point, you went a little outside your comfort yeah. zone. And, you know, Macklemore was really good at, at trying to encourage others to get outside of their comfort zone. Because he learned, he learned something about, something more about himself when he did that. And I learned something more about myself when I did that. Right? Not all those lessons were fun. Some of them still have left scars that are going to be with me for the rest of my life. Damn, that's dark. That's kidding. That's kidding. I get it. I, this is, this has been great, man. Like, um, I like to interview every range of artists and I feel like, I don't know, like, like I said, I don't know you personally yet, so I'd have no idea how much or how little, like, self growth you've done. But it seems like you definitely are taking steps to understand Bro. your self growth. Like, that's always I important. wrote a book. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, did I tell you I wrote a book? Right. I uh, I have been diagnosed with depression and have been fighting the good fight with depression for over twenty five years. I've done more self work and self analyzation than most people have even thought about. Well, I can see it. Like, it's important. Yeah. Well, I learned, right? Yeah. And, I, you know, it's no good if I keep it to myself. So I encourage other people to take the risk because, you know, if you fail, you just, like I said earlier, you know, you learn another way not to do it. It's like, you know, boiling eggs. When's the last time you boiled an egg? God, I hate boiled eggs. <laughs> I didn't even ask if you ate them. I just asked if you made one. I personally, I don't think I've ever actually boiled my own egg. Right? So you how see, you'll never be able to boil an egg for someone to play. Could you make me a boiled egg? Well, no, I don't like boiled eggs. Well, that wasn't the damn question. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. man. Pay attention. <laughs> Pay attention. You know? Hell yeah. It was a comedian. He had the best line. You know, he's talking about talking about when, you know, there was there was MTV was all fascinated with world hunger, and it's like he said, you know, hey, buddy, can you help me out with a sandwich? Well, yeah. Where is it? <laughs> that was funny. You want to get out of, you know, people, you don't want to starve? Go where the food is. Yeah. You live in a desert. Nothing grows here. And it's like, at the time, it was, it was so obvious that it was comical. But that got you, that was a way of disarming the fact of getting you to look at, there were people in the world who didn't have the means to go anywhere other than where they were right mm -hmm. which is what was what that's what the that's what the lesson was and the whole teaser the hook was comedy and so you're thinking about kids in the desert you know it's like you know it's christmas season so now now they've put all these images of pets out in the cold shivering and stuff to christmas carols oh man right because they want people to pay attention and donate to the ASPA to, to, to help these animals, right? It's all, it's a hook, right? There's some people who don't like dogs. They don't give, they could care less, right? But there are some people who's like, oh my God, 
and they're giving their 20 bucks a month, you know, and they got their shirt that says, I gave to blah, 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 blah. <laughs> right? Yeah. You don't know what it is. You, nobody, nobody really knows why they do the things that they do. They just know that they do them. Most people don't even think about it. They just do what they do. And it's like, eh. But, you know, there's reasons why you do exactly what you do. And when you figure out why you do some of the things that you do, some of those things are going to blow your mind. Some of those things you still have no idea why you've been doing them since you can remember. You don't know why you do them. Yeah, good or bad. <laughs> good or bad. But the, the cool thing is when you see somebody else doing it, pretty quick to say that's not how you do it. Yeah. Yeah. I always find, I always find that hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if it works for him, great. I don't have to do it that way. Yeah. 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 Well, Wands, what is the easiest way for people to reach you? The easiest way for people to reach me is Google W-A-N-Z. And you'll find out everything that wasn't covered in this thing. You can find me on Instagram at T-E-E-W-A-N-Z. And I'm on Twitter, same handle. Um, Wands is on Facebook. Wands is everywhere. Yes. Everywhere and nowhere at all. <laughs> but yeah, drop me a line. If you have a question, I have an answer. Oh, yeah. You may not like the answer, but I have an answer. Yes. Pretty nice to everybody. That's why I haven't shot anybody. Oh, yet. man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Before the outro, I need you to, yeah. I need to, to say this Nate dog verse. Stay the smoke weed every day thing. I just need to hear from you. Smoke weed every day. I need, I need to hear. I need to hear you say it. <laughs> You're kidding, right? I need to hear it. It'll, it'll make my night. Really? Yes. You got it. How about? Hold up, hey, for my niggas who be thinking we soft, we don't play. We gonna rock it till the wheels fall off. Hold up, hey. Well, my niggas will be acting too bold. Take a seat. Hope you're ready for the next episode. Hey, hey, hey. Smoke weed. Smoke weed every day. <laughs> Hell yeah. Bro. There we go. Just, it's the NAS. Just like, it's not my thing. This is the NAS smoke podcast. Smoke weed every. Smoke, this is the NAS smoke. podcast with. Wands. Hey.